prefer closer? Is this some call so he was just coming for the uh, filming he said filming filming like I mean he was filming all the classes of this recording recording so he told me to wait for him but I don't know how much no, no, I already told him that like, he was just finishing. You know. so, just pray. Yeah. <laughs> I will recite Mangal Charan when he comes in the meanwhile. He's coming. Sorry? He's coming. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> Om Jnanamidandasya Jnanamidandasya Jnanamidandasya-kaya-kakshudimidhitam Rupam Tasyagrajam Udupurim Maturim Gosavatim Radha Kundam Giri Baramaho Radhi Kamadhavasam Prapto Yasya Pratita Kripaya Shri Purum Vantakal pataru vyascha kripasindu vyayevata patitanam pavane bhyo vaishnavibhyo namo namaha Nikila shruti mole ratnamala duti nirajita padapanka janta ajimukta kulair pashyamanam paritashtam harinam samsayami Anarapita charim chidat karunayabhutirna kalo Shumar paito munnatoj balarasana shabhakti shriyam Haripurata sundara dhritikadamba sandipita Sadahridaye khandaresh purato vasatinandana Ajjanulambita bhujo panakabhadato Shankirtanai Kapitaro Kamalaya Takshu Dishambaro Diabaro Vigadharma Pal Vandi Jagatriakuro Karuna Vataru Ladini Shakti Sarupai Gaudanga Suridayacha Bhakta Shakti Pradanaya Gadadaranamoshti he Krishna Karuna Sindha Dinabandha Jagatpati Gupesha Gupika Kanta Radha Kanta Namaskati Radhi Brindavanadishe Karunam Vritavahini Kripaya Nijapadabja Dasyan Mahyam Pradiyatam
So in one sense today is our official last full day of our retreat. So already feeling separation. Yeah. <laughs> As we spoke yesterday, anticipated separation. But that's a good symptom. It means something happened, something really happened there. So that's it. that's the guarantee of future reunion. <coughs> so today, uh, as I told you the other day, I was thinking about sharing some words about Nam Tattva. Or the truth about uh, the holy name. <coughs> Yesterday we spoke about Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, a natural extension of that discussion could be speaking about Sri Harinam Prabhu. <coughs> so, let's begin by sharing some words about the importance of sound itself, and after that we will progress till the point of Harinam. Mm-hmm. We, the other day we were speaking with, with Ganga Prabhu about the, the negative influence, contemporary negative influence of these 5G waves. I was not even aware aware what was 5G waves. <laughs> I think you have to be using some cell phone for knowing that. No? <laughs> so I was out of that. <laughs> Are you translating me or computer? 
Yes, yes. Ah, okay, I didn't understand this. <laughs> so, uh, of course, this is an indirect way of speaking about the power of sound. But we were sharing about how actually the if you pollute the sound waves, that's the most powerful type of pollution. Actually, Sila Semarash once mentioned that all the whole uh, uh, environmental crisis starts by polluting the sound uh, layer. He would say if a lawyer is lying in the court, he's he throwing some pollution to the ether. And from a polluted ether comes polluted air and polluted fire and polluted water and polluted earth. But it all starts from the most subtle plane of all, the plane of sound. So maybe nowadays Kali Yuga inhabitants are just start to discovering this science of how to use sound for different purposes. But it was a very sophisticated science that was already known to the Vedic sages. But instead of using the sound waves to control other people's mind, of course, they were using that to bless others' lives. <coughs> so actually, according to Vedic, to Hinduism, in a, in a very, very broad sense, <coughs> we could say that Hinduism is a sonic theology. Conceiving the principle of sound from the very beginning of the creation cycles. And telling us how from a sound seed, the Omkar, the whole manifest cosmic creation came. And also, interestingly, using sound properly, that same cosmic manifestation comes to a close. In other words, all this world is coming from sound. At the, trans- the transcending of this world will come from sound as well. The Danta Sutra ends with that word, Anabritihi Shabdat, liberation through sound. So other words to, other words for speaking about sound is vibration. And, and all of us are vibrating in a particular frequency. And in one sense, vibration is synonymous with mood. 
And you may say about some person who is in a bad mood today. Or you may say he's in a, in a bad vibration. Mm. I don't know if you use this expression in your local language. In my day group. <laughs> so he's in a bad mood, he's in a bad vibration, he's in a bad sound. <laughs> he's not sounding properly. Out of tune. No, he's not sounding according to the rest of these natural sounds around us. <coughs> no, relatively recently, quantum physics discovered this point that every atom of creation is vibrating in a particular frequency. So in another words, everything is sounding. Or to put it in more poetic terms, everything is singing. And the whole cosmic creation is a whole symphony. And we are one note in that universal symphony. But, but it is expected that we may sound in the proper note that corresponds with us. So, so that's what we are trying to do in our tradition by embracing <coughs> sacred sound. To align ourselves not only what we what sound in this world, but what sounding in the other world. I always remember Frederick Nietzsche saying, on one side God is dead, and on the other side saying, I will only believe in a God who could dance and sing. So when you reach the Hindu pantheon, you find all of the deities are in one way or another singing or playing some instrument or something like that. No, of course, Krishna is with his flute. Shiva has his drum. Saraswati has their vina. Narada Muni has his famous vina as well. Oh. And so on and so forth. So the, the, the musical element is present, is omnipresent there in the Hindu tradition. And actually we find this in every major religion of the world. The importance of sound and more specifically the importance of sound in the form of the name of God. Now the Bible says in the beginning it was the birth. So the verb, what's the verb? I mean, sound. So in every religion, Prabhupada will say the chanting of the name of God is, a, is one aspect of their practice. But now in our religion, let's say, we have a whole religion around the name of God. 
Our religion, the name is not one aspect of the practice, but is the practice. Everything, everything revolving around this practice of the chanting. This will be called Nam Dharma or the religion of the name. This is what Mahaprabhu inaugurated. And a particular type of singing and chanting of the name, of course. <coughs> that we call more specifically Sankirtan. Or even more specifically, Prem Sankirtan. It is said that once uh, Prataparudra Maharaj, the king of Puri, he was looking from his roof, top rooftop, and he saw at the distance Mahaprabhu coming with his associates for the first time to Puri. So the point is, in Jagannath Puri, there is lots of different theistic currents. There is people who conceive of Jagannath even as Buddha, and Buddhists are going there. Muslims are going there. Someone said that Jesus Christ was there. And in the in the broader context of Hinduism, so many current currents are going there. So the point is that the king of, of Puri was really accustomed to seeing so many different religious expressions there. But when he saw Mahaprabhu's chanting with his devotees, he said, what's that? I've never seen such a religious expression in my life. Although I'm accustomed to see so many varieties of religious expression, I've never seen something like that. A shouting, fainting, crying, rolling on the ground, different limbs of the body, inside, outside, what's it? <laughs> So, so Sarvabhoma was, uh, or Gopinath, if I'm not mistaken, was next to him. And he said, Chaitanya Sri Sri Prem Sankirtan. He said, this is the creation of Sri Chaitanya called Prem Sankirtan. A particular type of of chanting of the names of God. So today we will speak about this particular type of conception behind the name. There is one famous verse by Raghunadas Goswami where he offers respects to guru, to the principle of Sri Guru. And in that, in that in that verse he lists 
all the different divine gifts that he received from Srila Gurudev. And the very first thing he mentions is connected to the name. He says Nam Shrestam. Which means from Gurudev I received the highest conception of the name. After that he mentions so many other things. I received Mahaprabhu, Rupa, Sanatam, Vrindavan, Mathura, Radha Krishna. And he said it all started from the receiving of this divine sound from his lips. But not only the sound itself, but the conception behind the sound. Because so many people chant the name of Krishna. <laughs> Impersonalists chant the name of Krishna. And different levels of devotees chant the name of Krishna. But different conceptions are there. Bhakti Nathakur will say Namaskar Bahirhaya Naman Nahirhaya. The syllables are sounding, but that's not necessarily Harinam. So we, we need to, to inspect the, the background conception and intention of behind the chain. So how do we conceive Harinam in our particular tradition? Well, many things are there to say, to be said. Uh, where to begin? <laughs> mm. Well, one important point is that Harinam is not different from Hari. It means between the name and the name, there is no difference. And Rupa Goswami once said, but if you like so much to make difference between everything, <laughs> okay, let's let there is a difference between the name and Krishna. He said, the name is more merciful than the name. <laughs> There you have your difference. <laughs> in, in this way, trying to inspire us to take full shelter in the name. The name being the most generous extension of Krishna himself towards in our life. But you know, Tagore said, the, the, the Harinam is our, the first, our first meeting with Krishna in this life. For meeting Harinam, we are meeting Krishna in his most magnanimous disposition. And, and for proper and for for that meeting, everything else will come. So once one devotee asked Gorkishor Das Babaji, uh, he was 
asking the devotee, can you, the devotee asks Gokushat Pavi, can you give me, can you reveal my spiritual identity? It's like, sounded like, can I, can I pick some product from the market? Can you give me this? And he answered, your spiritual identity lies in the syllabus of the holy name. So by proper embracing the, the chanting, everything that has not yet come will come. That's a very challenging invitation. <laughs> If something has not come yet, well, it's, it may be because I'm not properly embracing the chanting. And of course we will speak about chanting now, how it's chanting is not only chanting. <laughs> But the whole disposition towards life. But his point was there, no? This was this Nam is Chintamani. So Chintamani, as you know, means touch tone. So whatever you want, that will come. Sometimes the problem is that we don't have full faith in that. Because it sounds so ideal, so perfect, so easy. That it becomes too much for us and we chant, but we don't fully believe that. <laughs> oh, for example, Rupa Goswami once said, uh, uh, there is two stages regarding chanting properly. Two things that you will have to go through when you start chanting. Chanting and arriving to the spiritual world. And you may feel, well, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> but his idea was, if you chant properly one single half syllable of the holy name, you are already there. <laughs> Actually, we, we never hear about Rupa Goswami chanting one lakh, three lakhs. Because he said, it is said that he started chanting and he pronounced just half a syllable, Krish, and he just thinks. <laughs> So if you find Rupa Goswami, do not ask him how many rounds you are chanting. <laughs> He may be chanting externally less than all of us, but internally more than all of us together. <laughs> so a single half syllable chanted with the proper conception is much more, has much more strength than one lakh with without proper conception. Of course, quantity is there, and there is, we make some bow chanting certain number of, of rounds. But actually, that's, the number should be a natural outcome of proper quality. 
So if you chant uh, with quality, quantity will come naturally. Because you will start to feel the the, the sweetness of the name and you will want to chant more and more. So this is a very important beginning point, no? Sri Krishna is not different from his name. Uh, once there's a very nice verse about Mahaprabhu himself giving his definition of what's the name. He said, Tamala Shamala Tisi Sri Yashodashtanandai Krishna Namna Rudiriti Sarvashasi. He said, For me, Krishna, uh, for me, sorry, the name of Krishna is uh, Tamala Shamala Tisi, that person who has the luster of the Tamal tree. For me, the name of Krishna is that person who is sucking the milk from the breast of Jasoda. I don't know a further meaning of, of the whole name And that's the, the statement of all the scriptures. In other words, Krishna, Krishna Nam and Krishna are one and the same. And because of that we say Harinam Prabhu. And we are personifying the sound. As we spoke the other day, no? Srimad Bhavatan is not a book. As we may say, is the literary incarnation of Krishna. The deity is not the deity, is Mahaprabhu himself. And Srinam is not the name of Krishna or the sound, it's Krishna himself. So of course in the beginning we may not feel like that and we may feel like it's still the difference. But at least we should conduct, conduct ourselves theoretically as knowing that. I'm praying for that difference to disappear. So, what's, why is it so important for us to, to chant the name? I have seen devotees who may not pay too much attention to that aspect of the practice. But as, as I said yes, before, this is not an aspect of the practice. It's the practice itself. And all the other things are aspects of that practice. <laughs> all the other engagements, etc., are like relative considerations in service of that central aspect of the practice. Because again, the name is what Mahaprabhu has given to us. And the name is that sound which contains uh, the love that the Parampara is trying to give us. 
As I said the other day, now what is inside here? By the way, this is not called BIPA. <laughs> Sorry? Here is not BIPA? Okay, forget what I said. So what's inside here? Here's the love of your Gurudev condensed. Because when you receive Harinam, as Maharaj said yesterday, we don't call strictly speaking, that's not called initiation. But it's called Harinam. Srila Gurudev gives us the name of Hari. But in that sound, some feeling is contained. Not only, not only the feeling that is present in one's own Guru's heart, but the feeling that he received in his own receiving from his own Guru's heart. Unlike this, all the parampara included there. The pour, pouring of their hearts, all the parampara is included in that sound when we receive Harinam. So when you put your hand inside this bead pack, <laughs> actually it means you are starting to, you are trying to serve the hearts of all the parampara. <laughs> Not an ordinary thing. <laughs> you have to take care of that that you have come to your life. And because of that I was saying the other day, when you are chanting, please try to chant and not do other things at the same time. Because if not, you are starting to like uh, subestimate what has come to you. Underestimate, sorry. We start to do and we start to do it mechanically and we forget all these extraordinary things that are inside this sound and we may develop a, a negative habit or chanting just in this automatic way doing two, three, four, five time things at the same time while chanting <laughs> so of course the result of this will be Maraj, I no longer feel anything when I chant my rounds. <laughs> <laughs> so since I don't feel anything, I stop chanting my rounds. <laughs> so many times I heard that argument. And oh, so many times I heard some other points. <laughs> Maharaj, I'm, I'm very disturbed today. So immediately ask, I, I, I present an immediate question there. How many rounds did you chant today? Properly. Not Facebook rounds, Instagram rounds, WhatsApp rounds. Net, Netflix rounds. <laughs> 
there are so many new possibilities now. <laughs> Be careful with social media and technology, separate things. So I would say that 95% of the times I ask this question, the answer is I didn't chat any round. <laughs> Or I chant one, two, but who knows how. <laughs> so you, you, you have to, to establish a connection between one thing and the other. And sometimes the devotees say, I chant, but I don't feel anything. So, there are some things to say about that. <laughs> Once, uh, as we said yesterday, <laughs> if you feel anything, you feel nothing, there you are already feeling something. You feel that you don't feel anything. <laughs> Second, you don't be so much attached to feel something. Because that's mainly the attitude through which we move in this world. I want to feel something. And I, I want everyone and everything to make me feel something. I want everything to serve me, in other words. So sometimes we carry on with that attitude towards the Holy Name. I want you to make me feel something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are just trying to extract enjoyment from Srinam. So that's not the proper approach. We should be willing to make the name feel something. That's, that's the whole idea of Seba. Sometimes we translate Seba as service. No harm. But they are, we should understand what does this service mean. So actually Seba means to, to please the object of your affection. As we yesterday say, when we say Anuku, serve in a favorable mood. So we shouldn't be too much attached to what I feel, to what I'm not feeling, like this. Uh, so That's another another point regarding this. Um, also, sometimes what happens is that we I don't know we read some description in the scriptures. And we hear about all the incredible things that the pure devotees are feeling when chanting holy name. And maybe we think, oh, I should have been, I should be feeling that thing now. But maybe they are feeling that on the stage of Bab or Prem. But maybe we may be situated like four or five stages below. And, we, and, and there will be a different feeling corresponding to that stage. 
Now, for example, the famous case of Mahaprabhu himself. When he was initiated by his Gurudev Ishwarapuri, no, he received mantra. And after a few days, Mahaprabhu returns to his guru, say, no, like, overwhelmed. And say, what's, what's, what's this you have given to me? I mean, I started chanting that and I started to become mad. I started crying and rolling on the ground and fainting. What's here? What's here in the name you have given? So Ishwarapur was like, mm. Good disciple. <laughs> you, you, are, you understood what's in the name. <laughs> but we can imi- we cannot imitate Mahaprabhu. No? So we, we shouldn't be like frustrated because we are not feeling what Mahaprabhu felt in the very same chant- first chanting of the name. <laughs> so I have seen this happening too often in the life of the devotees. They become discouraged because they expect something to happen which corresponds to a higher stage. So for this it's very important to know which are the different stages of the practice and what you should be feeling at each stage. So when you know that you realize, oh, I'm here. And these are the corresponding uh, feelings with concerning this stage. Maybe I don't have now to enter into detail with this description of stages and symptoms there. Briefly, Mahaprabhu describes them in his own Sikshastakam. Bhaktivinoda mm-hmm. Thakur identified each verse corresponding with each one of these different stages. <coughs> and this has been much clearly descri- described by Bhishmanath Chakravarti, his Madhurya Kadambini. So you can study this for knowing more in detail. What's the corresponding emotion to this present stage you are? <coughs> Should I continue, Marat? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just wanting to confirm your blessings to go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's on one side. No, we may be chanting and saying I don't feel anything and, and, and understanding why I may not be feeling anything. But if you are chanting sincerely, you are feeling something. And, and sometimes you realize you were feeling something when, when you stop chanting. <laughs> and you realize, oh, 
no? Some other things start to you start to feel some other things. <laughs> When you stop chanting, you start to feel some other things not pretty auspicious. So you realize, oh, actually I was, maybe I was not feeling so much, but I was not feeling this negative stuff so much. So there's a, there's a stage for that, the cleansing stage. Actually, maybe 99.9% of the practitioners should be focused in this direction. What Mahaprabhu called Cheto Darpana Marjanam. Cleaning the mirror of the heart or the mind. Hmm? That's that's important to, to be open for that stage. And Swami Maharaj being in I don't know where already, Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, somewhere. <laughs> Once he shared one of his favorite uh, modes for chanting. He shared one of the favorite ways he likes to conceive the chanting. So he quoted one idea given by Srila Siddha Like like saying like chanting is like you are inviting the you say it's better. Okay. <laughs> you feel he said oh, there are so many enemies inside my heart. So chanting is like to invite a whole army to come to the island where I'm living. And go down from their boat and enter the, the island and conquer all the enemies. And so when you are chanting, you are like just meditating. This is happening right now. This sound implies the, the, the proper army coming to do the proper conquering. So this is one way you can also conceive the chanting at a particular stage. Of course, in different stages, the conception of what the chanting will be different. At some point, there will even be a conception, like you will be thinking, what does this mean? But there will be just some feeling. And not only some feeling, but different types of darshan and revelations. And sometimes this sequence is presented. Nam, Rupa, Guna, Lila. The name of Krishna, the form of Krishna, the attributes of Krishna and the pastimes of Krishna. So as much as you properly relate to the name, 
Naturally, eventually, the form of Krishna and after that, the qualities and after that, his passion will appear in your heart. And finally, your own eternal identity will manifest by the grace of the name. And your own eternal service with Krishna and the devotees there, Lila. But that's the ultimate goal to attain. So Mahaprabhu delineated all this very clearly in his Sikshastika. No, so before trying to chant and, and conceive myself in the Lila and which service I'm doing, first you should embrace the attitude present, for example, in, in the third verse of Sikshastika. You know, this verse, Trinada, Peace, and so on. But even though before that one, this is the second verse that also you should properly embrace, as we say the other day. And that second verse, what, what it was saying, it says. On one side, Mahabharata said, there is so much in the name. Infinity names, infinite Shakti, no rules, strict rules and regulations. And this is too much. You should be feeling ashamed by that. This is too much coming to And late in the last line he creates the contrast. Durdaiva Midrisham Anurag. Even though this is too much, I have no attraction for the name. That's my pathetic condition. So one should be willing to embrace that type of humility. Before we go on to the next type of humility, present the third verse. Actually, each verse of the Sikshastakam speaks of a particular type of humility. Or of a particular type of love and devotion. Sanatana Goswami says this, humility increases devotion and devotion increases humility. It's like cause and effect both of them. So humility is a very important topic to, to, to invoke when we speak about the now. Once Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was asked, what's humility? He gave a very nice uh, definition. He said, humility is that thing which is absent when there is an enjoying spirit. <laughs> Try to think about the answer. Humility is that thing which is absent when... It pre when prevailing and uh, joining spirit. Hmm? 
концентрирайте се в това, нали? Няма го чувството на смирение, когато сме в настроение на наслаждение. Което означава, че всъщност смирението няма да ви позволи да бъдете в това настроение на наслаждение. You have to make me feel something. And humility means how can I make feel something to everything and everyone. How can I serve everyone? Serve everyone means make everyone feel something. Nice. It's not only some external affair. I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm serving. No, I want you to feel something special. So when we chant, we should be concerned about this. Now, so many nice things have come already to my life. I'm ashamed of even counting them. <laughs> this, is, this is so much. And I did so little to deserve this. That's what we call causeless mercy. Actually, to accept costless mercy in our life, it has a high price. It has a high Sometimes we say costless mercy and it seems something cheap. It doesn't have to do with my own merit. I don't have to do something to receive it. No price. <laughs> now we we may take that idea cheaply and pray for pray for costless mercy in a cheap way. Of course, if we do that, we won't feel costless mercy coming. <laughs> But the point is that the price for receiving costless mercy is quite high. Because why? What does costless mercy imply? It implies I'm praying for something I do not deserve. And no matter what I may do, I will never deserve it. No, because you are a horrible human being. <laughs> But because that thing is so high, that is totally beyond the scope of my own personal effort. So are we willing to pray and to live with something that no matter what we do, we will never deserve it? <laughs> For our false ego, that's a very heavy punch. <laughs> so that requires deep humility. And because sometimes we don't have that humility, we, we don't feel the contact of causeless mercy. 
Ага. Uh, we are just left with justice, karma. Because justice, karma means I obtain what I deserve. <laughs> so sometimes our ego wants that. No? I will do something, I will have my merit, I will deserve that, but that means you're you remain the, in the cycle of karma. So no humility required for remaining there. <laughs> But if you want her to enter the open circle, open system, as we spoke the other day, of costless mercy, oh, some other attitude is required. And of course, this humility represents the death or the dissolution of false ego. And it may sound painful. I'm seeing all your faces now. <laughs> It's not that you are ecstatic. <laughs> like when yesterday I was narrating Rasa Lila and you were like... <laughs> <laughs> But you have to understand that that Rasa Lila, what I'm saying now, is the same thing. <laughs> Because the inner spirit of the participants of that Lila is full humility, full surrender, full disposition, So if hearing those lilas inspiring very much, but hearing this point, this topic sound bitter. It means I am not understanding properly in this case Rasa Lila. And it means I am not understanding properly today's topics as well. <laughs> so both of them should sound to us equally sweet. Oh, well, sometimes I speak more Lila's as a strategy to make you smile a little bit more. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I know that it may sound painful to our ego. No, when Krishna asks Arjuna, kill all your relatives. <laughs> basically, basically he said that kill them all <laughs> but we know what's what's the background there it means dissolve your false ego And Krishna was saying that to us not to Arjuna you know. but Arjuna representing us <laughs> he said, I would prefer to leave my Gandiva bow now and be killed without uh, defending myself. <laughs> I would prefer that death than the death you are inviting me to experience. <laughs> But the point is that if we do not go through that ego death, We will have to continue going through so many births and deaths and births and deaths over and over again. If we continue dying here, it means we have not yet died to our ego. 
Ако тук продължаваме да умираме, това значи, че все още не сме обрели за легото. А we should reach that platform in order to render proper loving service to Christian devotionals. Because false ego is that thing that is not allowing us to fully express our devotion. False ego is that thing that still makes us have fear and calculate and not fully surrender. play of words. He says, suspicion leads to suspension. Yeah, in other words, if you are always suspect, suspecting, suspicious, calculating, you will, you will be suspended, you will be like... There won't be free movement. And, and, and you won't be able to perceive Krishna's reply to you. Now, this is a famous example of Draupadi. She was there at the assembly of the of Kuru, Kuru assembly. And they tried to uh, take this rope. Yeah, this rope her. So you know the story? This, they tried to take the sari out. So in the, the, our acharyas explained that her first reaction, with what hand she called Govinda, but with the other hand she was take, take, she was still taking the sari. Uh, so some calculation was there. <laughs> Not full surrender. <laughs> so, Krishna did not appear yet. <laughs> Sari was still, what, six meters long? No more? Whatever it's, it's, it's that. No? And she realized in that moment, oh, oh, no, Sari, they are taking my Sari, Krishna is not coming. So, a new mudra came there. <laughs> As we were speaking yesterday with Maharaj about the different mudras of Mahaprabhu. <laughs> so, do you have, you have sometimes, Nityananda is this Dana mudra. Means like giving, giving, totally generous giving. So, there is also this mudra. We call, we may call Admanivedan mudra. Self-surrender. So that's what Draupadi did. <laughs> he accepted, this is out of my control. I surrender. His humility is required for that. And humility is required to, to really accept what's your own position. <laughs> I mean, we are maintained beings. At every step we are being dependent of every step, what we, the air we're breathing, the sun like, even externally in every sense. Krishna has created us in such a dependent way that we may easily understand 
Well, I'm dependent. But there should be no problem with that. Because uh, we are being dependent and we are being controlled, but by affection. No, it's like a mother having his child in, on her lap. And the child is in a total vulnerable situation there. Fragile, weak, dependent. He is fully dependent on his mother for nurturing, feeding, whatever. But he's happy there, there's no problem. <laughs> it's not that he says to the mother, please let me be independent for a while. I'm tired of this nurturing and this affection, let me have my life. <laughs> at least not at that age yet. <laughs> no. Both mother and child are fully absorbing the loving exchange. Uh, this is nicely represented in the, in the Damodar Lila as well. Before, the, 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 pre, the pre section of the Damodar Lila. Uh, when Jashoda is giving milk to Krishna, and both Krishna and Jashoda are totally absorbed in the loving exchange. So there was some milk in the oven. And that milk was conceived for, for future sweets for Krishna. So remember in Vrindavan everything is conscious. So the milk also has some personality. So the milk was seeing Krishna drinking the affection of Jasoda. And the milk realized, oh, uh, Jasoda has so much capacity to give affection to Krishna. And Krishna has an unending capacity to receive affection. That that situation will never end. They will perpetually love having that type of love exchange. So the male thought, I won't have any chance to offer for service to Krishna. <laughs> because I'm being conceived to be made some sweets, so to be eaten by Krishna eventually. Also, the milk thought, I have to do something to interrupt that situation. <laughs> so that's when the milk overflowed. <laughs> and there should so that put Krishna on the, on the, on the ground and ground to, 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 to save the milk. Some <laughs> <laughs> even say that the milk wanted to commit suicide. 
Because she thought I won't. She thought I won't have chance to serve Krishna. My life is useless. So just so they put Krishna on the side, and she went to take care of the paraphernalia for serving Krishna. That's also an interesting concept called Tadiya Seva. Tadiya Seva means higher than serving Krishna. He's serving those things that are dear to Krishna. Or those things that are or will be used in the service of Krishna. Krishna paraphernalia. So there is one verse that says no that Shiva speaks to Parvati in this connection. Shiva says to Parvati, of all the types of worship, the worship of Vishnu is the best. So Parvati is in anxiety at that point. Thinking, but I'm worshiping Shiva. <laughs> And he's saying that to me. My object of worship is saying, I'm not this, this the proper worship. Uh, but two more lines are there in the verse. <laughs> so Shiva says, Sasmat Parataram Devi, but, oh Devi here, no, Devi, higher than the worship of Vishnu is the worship of those dear to Vishnu. So there Parvati was quite <laughs> 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 because you know Shiva is Vaishnava Nam Jatasambu Haiv is Vaishnava so prop, I'm, I'm properly situated <laughs> so when we speak about the, the chanting of the holy name we should also understand this idea of including their, the, the service to the Vaishnavas Actually, as you know, the, the chanting is called Kirtan. And Kirtan comes from the root, verbal root Kirti, which means fame. So Kirtan is a practice where you try to spread the fame of someone. So depending which fame you are trying to spread, that will be the type of kirtan you are engaging in. <laughs> It's not that any kirtan is the proper kirtan. Prabhupada <laughs> says, you can be engaging in Krishna kirtan or you can be engaging in Maya kirtan. <laughs> If with your words and acts you are expressing the fame of the illusory energy, that's Maya Kirtan. <laughs> Actually, in that case, you are not even spreading the glories of Maya Shakti. <laughs> 
The, the best person who is glorifying Maya Shakti is the devotee. Because the devotee understands what's Maya Shakti and what's his purpose. And he serves Maya Shakti properly by connecting her with his source. So actually Kirtan means not only the moment you are chanting, but whatever activity you perform for spreading the glories of Krishna and his devotees. This was the extended conception of Kirtan that Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta had. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he is, because of this he instituted this concept of Brihad Mridanga. Brihad Mridanga means big drum. Because he said with one Mridanga you can chant and sing and, and the sound will spread to some distance. But with a bigger drum, the sound will be heard even long, longer, I mean, farther. So he gave this name Brihad Bridanga to his printed presses. Mm-hmm. And once Guru Maharaj even extended the concept of Brihad Brihad Bridanga regarding internet. Mm-hmm. But of course, again, if you do not use that properly, as I said, yes, before, no, if you don't engage properly with internet, for example, <laughs> there won't be Krishna Kirtan there. There only will be Instagram Japa or whatever. Instagram Japa. Yeah, so the potential is there in the proper direction. But we should be very careful how we conceive this approach. So service disposition should be all. If we do not want to serve the name, we may be again trying to exploit the name. Prabhupada says one at the beginning, some people come to serve Krishna and some people come to be served by Krishna. So since the name is not different from Krishna, this idea applies to So when we when we try to chant whatever Japa, whatever Kirtan, Sankirtan. Different types of chanting are there. But the important thing, the all in all, would be the spirit of the chanting. If the spirit is there, the chanting is there. And whatever will come from you will be kirtan. That's the standard in the higher realm.
The Bhagavatam is described, for example, when Yashoda was in the morning, early morning, turning the butter for preparing some preparation for Krishna. The Bhagavatam described her as a how he performed full kirtan only herself. And by, by turning the butter, he's naturally absorbed in the different lilas of Krishna. So she's singing about that, she's composing spontaneous songs in the moment. And with the movements of the rod, you say? turning rod, he's, he's creating some rhythms. And with the movements of her bundles, uh, it sounds like the kartals. And so Mridanga is there, rhythm, kartals are there. <laughs> One woman kirtan, orchestra. <laughs> So my point is that when we are fully absorbed, everything that will come for you will be kirtan. Even though if there is no mridanga, no kartal, no singing, every pore of your being will be living for glorifying God. So gradually we should pray and hunger that stage. But of course, first trying to solve whatever thing may be and it's an obstacle in our path. But trying to solve that in the context of reaching that stage. So once one devotee asked, what does it mean to have a realization in Japa? He, he, he gave a very nice answer. Down to earth. Down to earth. He said, to have a realization in Japa for most of the devotees will mean to recognize a particular obstacle in the present moment that is not allowing you to serve as you will like. So you recognize that and pray to Krishna for the required mercy to uh, like over what overcome, uh, overcome that obstacle. And you will have a result for that prayer. Maybe the result is not five seconds after that. But it will come in the form of particular situations or things that will happen in your life. And you should be able to connect. Oh, Krishna's, this is the Krishna's answer to my prayer. And again, don't, do not be uh, like 
narrow-minded about how Krishna should answer my prayers. Because if you just pray to Krishna but you already have your own idea of how should be his reply, it makes no sense. You, want, you still want to control Krishna's reply to you. And the whole idea of praying is this is out of my control. <laughs> Reality is out of control and it's okay. <laughs> Once I saw one, one picture of one Buddhist monk like sitting on one rock in the middle of one lake meditating. There is one quote next. No? It says, relax, everything is out of control. <laughs> Because generally we think the opposite. No? I will only relax when everything is in my control. But that will never happen. <laughs> so our school is pretty different. No? You have to accept everything is out of my control. But there is a higher control who controls everything by love. So I surrender to that divine control. So that should be the constant spirit when we are chanting. Pray for that surrendering. Pray for that acceptance of divine control. And pray for the removal of whatever obstacle may be there not allowing us to do that. And of course, after you left your Japa Mala here, better you continue praying in order to properly interpret Krishna's reply to your previous prayer. <laughs> Because if not, you may pray to Krishna for something and when Krishna's answer that prayer, if you do not, do not understand that's Krishna's answering to me, you will start running away from that situation. And, and Krishna will say, but what's, so, what's going on? That's my answer to your prayer. You call me, I'm there, and when I'm there, you start escaping from me. So try to make sense of what of what you are doing, he say. He will say. <laughs> And that happens a lot. <laughs> so we should be much more open to recognize whatever is coming to me. As we spoke yesterday, that's Krishna's arrangement. In one way or another, I should be able to see Krishna's hand behind every situation. I surrender to what Krishna wants me wants to show me in that particular instance. That should be the proper spirit of chanting. 
So when we really embrace the holy name in, in, the, in the proper way, that will happen in somewhere or another we will we'll be able to see Christians everywhere. Or in other words, everything will become a uh, stimulant, stimulus for for serving Krishna. Even the most so-called uh, adverse, uh, adverse, okay, situation. And I know that all of us have gone or are going through some adverse, difficult situation. But again, what we perceive as adverse or favorable, again, we are putting that name into our own inner world. But if we are properly situated in our practice, we will be able to extract a deeper meaning in everything that is happening to us. I remember famous book of Viktor Frankl, Man in Look for Meaning, the Search of Meaning. So he lived in three, how is that, Laga? Concentration camp. Yeah, three concentration camps in the Nazi time. So you can imagine, not only one, three. <laughs> of course, he survived for, for telling us about it. <laughs> and how, how did he survive? He tells that in this book. Um, I, mean, I mean, we cannot imagine what was that, basically. Mm. Uh, you read, I read that book and you read that and you, say, you feel whatever obstacle had came to my life is just... It's a sense enjoyment. <laughs> and when you see how he reacted to his obstacles, you become much more ashamed of how you reacted to your so-called obstacles. I, I remember one section that very clearly depicts the, the, the situation there. Uh, so he was he was there in the room with some other people. <coughs> and I, one of them was having a nightmare. Uh, screaming like ah, ah, ah. Uh, So he he say he says I tried to awake him in that moment. That, that's what you naturally try to do with someone with a nightmare. No? But he says, immediately I realized that whatever he was dreaming about, it will be never worse than what we were living outside the nightmare. So I became compassionate towards him and I, I, I left him with his name. Understand that our nightmare was the real nightmare. <laughs> Just some idea for you to dimension what was that. So in his books he said, uh, 
there was it was very difficult to survive that situation because in that situation very easily you start to lose meaning to what was going on it was almost impossible to find purpose in that and I could realize that most of the people who died in the concentration camp they actually died because of a lack of purpose in their lives they were no longer able to extract purpose to what was going on there but they just surrendered in the negative sense of the term so he said human beings can tolerate every difficult situation in life and they can overcome every obstacle in life except for, for one thing when you stop feeling that this has some meaning you cannot continue if there is no meaning to what's going on in your life so here he thought okay the only way that I can survive here is to find some meaning to all this so he, he, he started to, to extract to accept this situation for some particular reason my main duty is to experience what I'm experiencing here now <laughs> I won't tell you in detail the whole book you could read it very nice. it's very horrible and very nice <laughs> but the outcome of all that he developed a whole psychological system about the, the how to find meaning in life and in that way reestablish yourself psychologically and like so in the same way our chanting should should give us this sense of meaning and proposing whatever is happening in our lives <laughs> but not only a generic sense of meaning okay this, there must be some meaning <laughs> but gradually to see and feel much the meaning in the context of Krishna's intention approach to us of how everything is happening to our lives to increase our devotion, our surrender, our humility. And in that way we will be getting closer and closer to our goal. That's how we we actually arrive to the spiritual world. <laughs> Starting right here, right there now, <laughs> and develop a higher capacity to see Krishna behind every so-called ordinary event.
и започваме да развиваме този потенциал, да виждаме кришната за всяка една обикновена ситуация. Especially the ones that seem problematic to us. Особено ако не е ситуация, които са ни проблематични. Проблем, something that I feel a problem is Krishna has some special intention. Нещо, което аз се чувствам като проблем, това значи, че Кришна има специално намерение за този случай. But I'm not yet able to discover that, so it seems a problem still to me. <coughs> so you see, this this nam, this chanting is a very practical issue. It's not only something you will do in your closed room and that's all. Outside is something else. But we should be able to extend and connect the practice of the chanting with every other situation in our life. Our problems, our sufferings, our relationships, all those things should be penetrated by by the holy name. Because this is an organic process, everything is included there, not a separate thing. When we see something as separate, that's what we call Maya. You are not able to fully integrate everything into that proper context. So we chant for that, and we actually Kirtan just for closing. Kirtan also could be translated as celebration. So actually, the Kirtan is we are celebrating the opportunity that had come to us. Because even in our worst moments, the opportunity is still there. Harinam has not disappeared, Mahaprabhu has not disappeared. Paramatma is still there. Paramatma didn't leave one message saying, this is too much, no longer here. <laughs> so they are waiting for us so for so long. Anadi, no beginning point, in limited lifetime they are there. Once when the one devotee asked Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj, how can I become inspired to be tolerant? And he said, just think about Paramatma. <laughs> and how tolerant Paramatma is being with you for uncountable lifetimes. <laughs> so instead of thinking, I have to tolerate, you could start thinking, I am being tolerated. And from that humble foundation, you can try to tolerate whatever it has to be tolerated. But actually, our practice should be in a celebratory spirit. Celebratory? 
So no matter, there's some suffering, some obstacles, something that we may be like drowning into a glass of water, as they say. But at that moment you should like put pause to that situation and try to get some distance and see that from a bigger picture. And appreciate Krishna is still there, Harinam is still there, Paramatma is still there, all the all the blessings are, are still there. So actually I don't have a real reason for being lamenting. Uh, that's the meaning, that's the, the whole message of the Bhagavad Gita. It's Krishna starts saying in the beginning to Arjuna, do not worry. Masuchaha. And practically at the end of the conclusion, the Gita Krishna says again to Arjuna, do not worry. Masuchaha. So the message of the Gita is that don't worry, be happy. <laughs> So not only don't worry, but be happy. Chant and be happy. So Kirtan means that. Don't worry, but actually celebrate. Celebrate. Your life should be a constant celebration. And whatever little stuff comes in the way, put that in the proper context. And continue the celebration. Continue chanting. Shri Harinam Prabhu Ki Jai Shriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai Shri Lagurudev Patita Pavan Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanan Hari Jai